0: Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts on Ho and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis and psychedelics industries forward. This week, Ann and Nick are sitting down with KCSA's Director of Cannabis Development, Chris Crane, to talk about last week's Benzinga Capital Conference in Miami, Florida. Taking place during Bicycle Day and 420, the Benzinga show featured a number of companies, large and small, in the psychedelics and cannabis spaces, and both Ann and Chris made the trek down to support KCSA's clients and to check out the conference. In this episode, we'll explore some of the initial takeaways and themes Ann and Chris saw at the show and hear some of their favorite experiences and stories from the conference. So sit back and enjoy our conversation about the Benzinga Capital Conference.
1: Welcome back Green Rushers. On the heels of Bicycle Day and 420 last week, there was also a nice little show down in Miami. Benzinga was hosting the Cannabis Capital Conference, showcasing companies both in the cannabis space and the psychedelic space. Um, In addition to a lot of KCSA clients that were attending and speaking at the event, KCSA also sent several of our own team members down to the shows, including two of our favorite Green Rushers, Ann Donahoe and Chris Crane. For this week's conversation, we're going to cover with Anne and Chris some of the themes of the show that stood out for them, what kind of investor and M and A activity they expect to follow the event, and some other fun stories from their experiences at Benzinga. So, Anne, Chris, let's kick things off. Let we us don't know. have any.
2: We don't have any fun stories, do we, Chris?
1: <laughs> no, no fun I have stories. A fu- I have
2: a fun story. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a couple fun stories, Nick. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so let us kick it off. You know, let's let's go, you know, from the from the top. Um, what were you guys' general impressions of the show in Miami?
2: So um I can kick off because there was um the first day was uh for psychedelics, um, and the second two days. So bicycle day was for the the psychedelic investors, and then 420 and 421 were for um the cannabis investors. And the psychedelic side was a lot smaller, probably four or five hundred people. Um, and it was um, very, it it was a little more low key, um, and much more scientific and biotech. So, you know, you had people get up there and, you know, talk about uh, the science and the different phases that these clinical trials are in and the molecules and the promise of them. Um, we actually had, um, one client, uh, our client from HMNC brain health, um, we who uh the CFO near noir went um to the to co- the conference and presented. Um, and he actually pointed out to me, he said, I'm the only CFO presenting, everybody else is presenting with scientists. Um, and you know, we were kind of saying that the audience for this for for this conference is very clearly investors, and um it, it felt like his his presentation really like understood the room, um, and, and really talked to investors versus, you know, he definitely had science slides in there because that is very important and integral to the business model. Um, but it, it was, it was more about, um, you know, the finances of it and the, you know, the trajectory, you know, not necessarily like, and in phase two, a, we are going to, you know, enroll this many patients. Like it was, it was very different. So I I thought that was a really interesting thing that, that he had pointed out, but, but overall, I think, um, you know, this is, you know, among the first, I think, you know, that people have been in person for, for a long time. I think it was great, um, you know, seeing people and actually meeting clients that you've been talking to for, for years at this point now. So I can just say personally, from my perspective, um, it was incredibly valuable, um, on that side of it. So I know, and Chris, I know that you didn't get there till, um, till 420. So, um, yeah, I know you can't, you can't really speak to to the psychedelic side, but, um, I, I can say that I, that I thought it went off really well and I thought they did, um, a pretty good job, um, you know, considering COVID and all of those fun, um,
3: barriers. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone was thinking about COVID there. You could, you couldn't tell. Oh, that, uh, no one was thinking st- about COVID. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. I think everyone was very happy to be, uh, in a, in a post COVID world, whether we actually are or not. <laughs> And, and then
1: Chris, what were the the vibes that you got from uh, from the cannabis side of the show?
3: Yeah, so I I thought. Look, I mean, I, I agree with what Ann was saying. I thought on the whole, it was a it was a terrific show. Um, I mean, a lot of you know, kudos to the folks at Benzinga for just the you know the production they put on the, you know, the, 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 quality of the, the speakers, although admittedly, uh, you know, I spent a lot more time in the hallways and, um, in the, you know, the exhibit hall talking with folks and I did watching the, the presentations themselves. Um, although that's kind of, you know, how I always roll at conferences. So nothing, nothing's you know, unique to Benzinga there. Um, but I, you know, I think, you know, what really stood out to me besides the fact that it was huge. I mean, I was, you know, I, I was at the last Miami Benzinga conference, uh, which was held like two weeks before the world shutdown. Um, <laughs> So that was actually the last conference that I had attended pre-pandemic. Um, and this was much, much bigger. Um, I, I don't remember how many people were there exactly the last time, but I think they said there were 3,500 people um, at this show on the cannabis side. Wow. So it was a really, yeah, it was a really big event, um, which uh, you know was, was much larger than the last time they did this. Um, so I thought that was, you know, that was very cool. Um, but, you know, what really stood out to me was, the sort of the caliber of the attendees. Um, and you know and, and I don't mean that to sound sort of elitist or whatnot, but you know a lot of these conferences that you go to, there's a lot of folks that come up to you that are like, hey, I'm looking to get into this or I'm looking to get involved or I just started working in this industry and they're looking for advice and you know and I love I love talking with you know newbies and, and I like I like giving advice to folks who are just coming up so you know not so much complaining about that, but there was kind of none of that at this conference. It was really everybody who was there, was in it, right? They were really in the industry. they were heavily involved. almost everybody that I met was in the c-suite of of a company or they were you know a real investor or with one of the investment funds. Um, and everybody seemed to be there for a reason and had a purpose. and so I found that you know virtually every conversation that I had was a productive conversation that you know might lead to uh, you know, something, you know, something in the future. Um, and that, that I thought was really cool. That that's a, that's a rarity at these types of events. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think they did a really nice job of you know bringing a great quality, uh, a, a great quality conference with a great, qual- you know, great quality attendees. And, um, I, I, and it seems to be the, you know, the feedback that I've gotten from everybody I've talked to since. So yeah, I mean, kudos to the Benzinga folks.
2: I completely agree uh, with you. And I think that there, you know, while there was certainly like big cannabis there, Kim Rivers, Boris Jordan, Erin Simon, there was a really fair amount of smaller, uh, you know, single state operators or regional MSOs there um, that are getting off the ground makes it seem to, uh, I don't mean it to be pejorative, but they're just at different stages in their companies. Um, and there was a different energy to them. I think, um, you know, the, like Falcon is one of our clients and, you know, they've been in you know business since 2018, but this is really the first time they're kind of coming out and, you know, they, they are, you know, working to build kind of their, their portfolio, their house of brands. Um, but I mean, they're California only. Um, and so I think we, we just saw a lot more of that, which I think just just added to like the sheer number of people there um, is that some of these other, you know, smaller players kind of shook out, they've been acquired um, and you're kind of seeing this like second level of people who have learned from from past mistakes of others and who are um you know looking to not necessarily running to go public either <laughs> you know looking for finance in <laughs> other think, ways I don't think, any, I don't think anybody's <laughs> running to go public no. these days <laughs> I mean there was a lot of debt guys there you know like so yes, there so yes. uh, you know I definitely noticed that um but I, I you know I think that 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 was, um, a little bit refreshing, uh, you know, because it's, it's a tough market. The market was, was gross last week. It's gross right now. Um, so the fact that like, I still got a a fair amount of energy and good, um, just good vibes. Um, I, I felt made me feel better about kind of where the market is now.
1: Yeah, well, let's stick on that, you know, was...
2: <laughs> Do we have to?
1: <laughs> I, think, I think a little bit because we, we're for this investor audience, right? And a lot of people are very anxious about it, you know, both um, the the public companies that are trying to, to raise money and stay afloat right now and the investors that are really believe in this and, and want to see these companies succeed in the long term. So, you know, Chris, you said you had a lot of meetings in, at the space. It sounds like there were a lot of really productive meetings, but was there a sense that we're gonna start seeing a recovery
3: anytime soon on uh on the marketplace um you know i think folks are like i'd say very cautiously optimistic um there's a lot and and look folks know that i'm you know i'm also the 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 chair of the board of directors of of ncia and so i you know I, i i follow the policy side of things quite closely and so there was a lot of questions about you know when and if safe banking is going to pass. Um, right, I mean that's definitely on everyone's mind, and I think people are really kind of banking on, <laughs> for you know, uh, 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 no pun intended, um, <laughs> but you know, kind of really, you know, really, really banking on that to fuel the recovery in the cannabis financial sector um and i think that's I and mean, i think that's that's founded right I and mean, i think if if safe banking were to pass right you probably would see a nice rebound in the you know in the public company stocks um so it's, it's understandable that folks are, are you know particularly concerned about that one um so i don't think i would say that there was a sense that a recovery is imminent I do think, in general, the feeling is that a re- you know a recovery is inevitable, uh, but not necessarily imminent. I think the timing is very much up in the air still. Um, uh, when that's going to happen, the one thing I did notice is that you know there are th- there was a lot more sort of deal making or you know folks looking for deals and you know particularly around M- you know M and A right, folks who are looking to get acquired, folks who are looking to acquire other assets, um, you know even you know companies that are are looking to like you know, do mergers of equals, right? Among these sort of the, like the, the second and third tier MSOs, you're know, looking to kind of, you know, get together to try and, you know, uh, to try and you know, put together footprints that might rival some of the largest players in the space. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's interesting because it is a down market, right? I mean, the market sucks right now and you wouldn't expect that, y- you know, you would see that much MA activity in, in particular in a tough market. But, you know, I think the, like the Cresco Columbia care deal, kind of lit a fire under the industry in terms of, you know, the need for folks to get bigger um, in, in order to try and compete with these, you know, with the, with these really, really big players. Um, and so, you know, I, I think the combination of that and, you know, the down market and and how difficult this has been leading to, you know, some of the single state players, you know, kind of being ready to just get out, right? And looking to get a, acqu- you know, looking to get acquired, looking for, you know, looking for an exit. You know, it, it led to the the, the M and A market being like quite a bit frothier than I than I would expect in a normal, you know, down market for a sector like this. Yeah and you know looking at the psychedelic side too
1: of all that you know you just had numinous and nova combined on the psychedelic side so it seems like it's uh, a similar way of thinking in, in both of those markets like you know we got in order to compete long term you know we got to consolidate these assets and and really figure out how we're going to make this
3: work for the long run so um, and, right. and, then yeah. and yeah and on the psychedelic side it's like yeah <laughs> It's like, Hey, you know, you've got no revenue and we've got no <laughs> revenue. You no know, if we get together, we've got a bigger company with well, no, revenue. Have
1: no revenue. <laughs> uh, all right. So we'll, ha- we'll have to be watching for the next couple of months or What's going to come out of these meetings. Are we going to, We're if we're going to see more of that M&A, we're going to see those regional MSOs maybe start combining with some other ones there.
2: I would like to start Nick asking, um, questions, like if we have people on, um, you know, who maybe have just like, you know, entered into conversations about M&A, like, when did those conversations start and how did they start? Like, was it at a conference like this? You know, was it over LinkedIn? Was it over, you know, I'm just curious to see like kind of a little bit how the sausage is made in terms of like who called who first, Um, you know, (laughs) it wasn't wasn't made on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, fair. Um, But Chris, so now like uh, how is it different? as a KCSAer versus as the president of Forefront?
3: Um, well, uh, I mean, Nobody was coming up to me looking to like acquire me this time, uh, so, so that was pretty different. And I wasn't out there looking for you know for acquisitions, um, right? I mean, I wasn't like playing deal maker this time, which is often you know a part of what I do at these things. You know, outside of that, it wasn't that different uh, in terms of you know I always use these conferences as an opportunity to network to you know, rekindle connections with folks that I haven't seen in a long time, to meet new folks. And, you know, in that respect, it didn't feel all that different, right? I mean, as I mentioned, I spent, you know, pretty much all of my time, you know, in the hallways and the exhibitor floor, but I, mean, I probably spent more time in the, you know, in the main lobby area than I did, mm. um, you know, at the panels, because that's just happened to be where most of my meetings wound up being. Um, so, you know, in that respect, it wasn't that different. Um, but the you know the topics of the conversations were, were certainly different than I would have had at a at a public company con- uh, 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 certainly when I was still at a public company or at a, at, a, at an operating company. Um, uh, so th- so that you know that was it was interesting to you know to be there with that perspective. You know also you know it was it was kind of my first time at a big at one of these big conferences since. Uh, the pandemic. Uh, I, I had been at, at at one or two smaller ones, uh, particularly NCIE's region, Midwest Regional, but this was kind of the first time I was at one where like everybody was there, which meant it was also the first time I was there since I left Forefront. Um, so a lot of uh, uh, you know a, a lot of just like, hey, what are you working on these days? What are you doing? Right, a lot of like catch up uh, stuff that, with with folks that I hadn't seen in a long time. So that was kind of fun, right? It was really nice to to rekindle. I mean, I will say. It, it, it go, going into the pandemic, or at the time right around the pandemic, I was feeling really burned out on conferences. Mm. Just been, you were on
2: the road all the time, though. all the time, I mean, yeah, yeah. The
3: time. And, and not just for conferences. I mean, I was on the road doing yeah. you know, business development and speaking stuff, and meetings, and uh, you know, uh, trainings for you know new store openings and all that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, I was on a plane pretty much every week, uh, right up until. I mean, literally the day that the world shut down, um, I was I was with you that weekend in in, in L.A. For, yeah, uh, the, that the, the was our fo- last meal. That's right. Yeah, right <laughs> our last photo- meal. For the we last both supper. had
2: out at a at a restaurant for like a year and a half.
3: <laughs> that's that's absolutely right. Um, I was out there for that photo shoot that you guys set up for me with MG Magazine, um, and uh, you know, so, so I was traveling a lot, and particularly there were just so many events summits, conferences, seminars that I was feeling really burned out on it to the point where like, I was actually starting to feel like a little bit of anxiety before going to an event, which I was never, never something that I had, you know, had felt before. Um, just, I was just, I was just burned out. Right. And, and so in that way, the, the, the pandemic was like great timing for me in, in terms of, you know, not having to be on the road all the time and not having to be on at these events. And it was actually quite refreshing to get back out there like I felt rejuvenated and refreshed and it was really it was it was like fun and uh, and, and uh, it, it was like kind of like a whole new world right I was like excited to be back out there again and, and, and doing my thing and that was that was great.
2: Nick, I just have to tell you that Chris is being really modest. He also can he yes, he can also add Mike Tyson's doorman to his oh, list okay. of experience. okay. Well, I was going yeah, so I was
3: <laughs> going to get to that. I, I was I was gonna, that was the most different part of this. So that's a good, so right, it's probably a good time for that story. Yeah, I want to hear the story. story. Uh, all right, so this was a real lesson for me about the PR world. Um, you know, Lewis has certainly talked to me about like, you know, sometimes we just have to do weird things in this job. Uh, <laughs> right? and, uh and, and this was, this was my, this was my first experience. So, um, you know, folks know that, uh, probably know from, from the news that uh, Mike Tyson was, uh, uh, not able to make it to his panel on time, uh, because of an unfortunate incident, uh, on, a, on an airplane. Um, but he did make it, he ended up speaking at the after party on Thursday night. And by the time he was there, you know, and you and Phil and the other KCSAers had all left. So, you know, I, I volunteered to help however I could. And, you know, the staff wanted me to, uh, or Tyson's staff wanted me to meet them at the lobby of the hotel when they showed up and walk with them into the venue, which was at this nightclub in the Fountain Blue uh, Hotel. Um, So that, you know, if any media came up, they understandably didn't want to be answering questions or didn't want Mike Tyson to be answering questions from the media that that evening. Um, So to just, you know, to talk to the media and tell them to, you know, talk to his publicists and that he wouldn't be answering any any direct questions. Um, So. Uh, so you know, fine. You're happy to do that. And then you know, it, things kind of changed around a little bit. I ended up meeting uh, the publicist in the nightclub, and uh, just just before the club opens, and she's like, "Well, I'm going to go back to the hotel and pick up uh, Mike Tyson with uh, with his you know with his security and his folks. I need you to stay here." and and wait for me and at some point i'm going to send you a text and i need you to open this door this was the back door of the club right so that we don't have to go in through the through the lobby of the hotel we're going to come through the back door and i need you to open the door when i text you okay so i'm standing in an empty nightclub there's no people there it's just me and the security guards in the club standing around like waiting for Waiting for a text <laughs> for, to, 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 you know, to open the door. At some point, I, I end up seeing a couple of a couple of guys I knew who run a, they run a cannabis company, uh, Pleasantries, in in Michigan. And so I'm chatting with them a little bit, right? Because the people start coming into the club while I'm sitting there waiting. And I was like, hey guys, like this is gonna sound crazy, but at some point, my watch is gonna buzz, and I'm gonna have to leave you like mid conversation so that I can go right over there and open that door for Mike Tyson. <laughs> like really? And lo and behold, like it happened. Like mid mid sentence, I was like, I gotta go, guys run over like open the door and Tyson comes in and you know got to hang out with him was able to you know hand him a a, a forefront pre-rolled uh a infused pre-roll which he ended up smoking on stage um so that was kind of awesome um and uh you know got to uh, now, now the nice part is uh or the best part about this besides having you know worked as Mike Tyson's doorman which was uh, a highlight of my <laughs> career uh you know I I handed him this pre-roll I told him what was in it and I said I said Mike this is gonna fuck you up and he says oh yeah <laughs>
2: And he, Challenge accepted.
3: And he, and he lit it, and then like a couple minutes after he lights it, he gets pulled up on stage, and he's smoking it on stage. So now I get to tell the world that I fucked up, Mike Tyson, and I live to tell about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's oh, amazing. That's awesome. And there's video of this. So we'll make sure that uh, that we we stick it in the show notes because uh, it, it was uh, Mike Ta- Mike Tyson, Jason Rasnick um, and Ric Flair, who is another celebrity that Chris and I uh, rubbed elbows with um, at the event. So we'll make sure to post uh, videos of, of uh, vid- the video of Mike Tyson and the picture of uh, me and Chris and um, Ric Flair. Which is pretty awesome. Yes.
3: Which I gotta say, as a as a kid who grew up uh, on 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 wrestling in the eighties, like meeting Ric Flair was was that was pretty awesome. Like <laughs> eight year eight year old Chris was 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 on the freaking moon. <laughs> that is amazing. Did you,
2: t- did you tell your family, Chris?
3: Oh, of course. Oh, I sent them, te- <laughs> I sent them texts uh, with the picture of the two of us and Ric Flair. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. I sent it to my my cousin was like, oh, my God, you have to be so excited. Cause she, I, I mean, I used to have like pictures of wrestlers on my walls when I was like, eight, you know, seven, eight years old. So that was that was that was pretty freaking cool.
2: Well, everyone <laughs> I showed it to was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. wow, so
3: another, exactly. no, actually, I can tell you another kind of, fun, kind of kind of funny story on a story on that one. Uh, uh, one of the guys I was talking to actually from from one of the one of the owners of Pleasantries, uh as we were talking afterwards He was down on the floor watching the presentation and I guess his uh, His stepfather or no father-in-law. I'm sorry. His father-in-law is like a huge wrestling fan um, And I guess talks about it quite a bit um, Like old-school wrestling in particular and so he was he happened to be like FaceTiming with his five-year-old son saying goodnight to him while Mike Tyson and Ric Flair and Rick Ross were up on the stage, <laughs> uh, and he's, he's in the crowd of this nightclub, FaceTiming his five-year-old, and I guess you could, you could, I guess you could kind of see the speakers like over his shoulder, and like as he's talking, he tells me this, and I came down afterwards. As he's talking, his five-year-old son says. Dad, dad, that nature boy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow, good eye.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: That's pretty impressive.
2: <gasps> That's amazing. That's
1: pretty cool. Well, Chris, I'm I'm glad to hear you. You are you know cutting up your uh, PR chops out there. You know, learning how to open doors, do do the stuff for for the client.
2: <sighs> Our so. job is so weird. It is so weird. It
1: is very weird. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, but, I'm, yeah, go ahead. Ann.
2: Oh, oh, no, I was going to say, uh, you know, as we wrap up and uh, Nick, I don't know if you have any other, um, any things you want to touch on, but I do want to really shout out Jason Rasnick, uh, Patrick and Elliot Lane, uh, Nicole Lapoint and everyone on the the Benzinga staff. They are, um, truly a, a pleasure to work with. And, you know, anytime I, I had like a freak out, <laughs> I could text one of them and they're like, calm down, Ann. we have it. So I just, I really, really appreciate um, all the, you know, all the work that goes into that certainly. um, And it came off um, almost without a hitch, but even with the hitch, they, they, uh, they rolled with the punches no pun intended.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love the Benzinga team. Shout out to those guys. But and I do have one last question just for you, oh and, and I really hope that it, it is yes. But was the space better than the last time we were in Miami for a conference? Where you, not all those hidden doors and stuff? What was that like the Opera House that we were at? Oh last my time. God! Please yes. tell me this was a better yes. setting for the yes. Yes. conference.
2: Yes, it was a better space, but it still had these little like mazes to go, and they had these like little rooms for. um for investor meet like investor one-on-ones um and one of my clients was like oh i'm at the booth and i'm like are you at the booth or are you in your cubby and he's like i'm in my cubby <laughs> so like <laughs> there was definitely like you know a, a a a little bit of a funky layout but nowhere near the the oddity of being at like an opera house or a pro like a <laughs> What was that like? A theater space? I don't even know. Yeah, it was yeah. like so an yeah, art was,
1: space, yeah. something weird. Yeah. But, it was a fountain right.
2: blue. I mean, you could. But the, the the other funny thing was it was like, um, spring break. So like in between, like you know, psychedelics and cannabis, you had like families with like, like <laughs> swimmies and <laughs> <It's>
3: like <laughs>
2: bathing suits and wet towels and like you know, kind of mingling with everybody.
3: So oh, it was bizarre. Um, I mean, all the, like like yeah. there's so <laughs> many mixes of like like cannabis business people in like like miami business casual attire huh. and then like 20 year olds in like bikinis and like mm-hmm. you know buff dudes in like bathing suits and it was really it was bizarre that was a really and, and then families and then families with little kids in swimmies it was uh right. quite, the, quite the, quite the <laughs> confluence of attendees or, or, or i guess guests at the hotel there yeah for sure uh, well, but a awesome. cool venue a cool very cool venue
2: yeah, it felt a little, and I've been, I, had, I hadn't been for many years, but it was at the Fountain Blue and it felt a little like Vegasy. Like I had forgotten how big that property is and it's all kind of interconnected. And so um, it was like the Vegas feel with Miami traffic. <laughs> so that's how I would describe it.
1: <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. Thanks guys for for the rundown of Benzinga. It sounded like a great show. Lewis, if you're listening, I want to go next time it's in Miami. so. <laughs> If you've made it this far, let me know. Um, uh, but you guys, thanks for this. Well, that's um, a fun
2: Easter egg for Lewis.
1: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this has been great, guys. Thanks for thanks for the rundown. And Chris, I know we want you to have, have you back on the show to talk about some more other, uh, stuff here in the next couple of weeks. So we'll get that scheduled and we'll chat more with you soon, guys.